Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you once again for joining us today on the program and for setting your DVR or uh, whatever you do to be able to enjoy or join us on the program. I trust you've been blessed by what we're sharing from the book of Hebrews, and we're going to continue to share today from the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews, but I wanted to say to you that if you have uh, missed any of these programs, we have filmed quite a few programs on the book of Hebrews, we're going to continue to do that. But if you missed any of these programs and you'd like to go back and review them, they are available for you to watch at your leisure on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also get the audio portions of this by going to our podcast, and there is also an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way to go back and get these things is to simply go to my website at lynnhiles.com, and of course that's probably already on the screen. If not, it's right here. And there is a direct link uh, from our website to those uh, uh, to those channels. If you subscribe to them, uh, you will get an email every time we upload a new program to uh, one of those. And, and I believe you'll be blessed by being able to go back and listen to them again. Once again, we're sharing from the book of Hebrews. And the main thought that we have been sharing is that this book of Hebrews was written to a Hebrew audience. It is one of the most incredible legal treaties of New Covenant truth that I believe there is in the New Testament. The writer of the book of Hebrews is giving a 13 chapter legal argument as to what is better about the New Covenant than the Old Covenant. In chapter 1 he talks about that the last days were the last days of the Old Covenant, and in chapter 1 he also talks about the Old Covenant was given by the hands of angels, but Jesus is better than angels, and that this covenant was delivered by the hand of a son. In chapter 2, he talks about the fact that the world to come was not put in subjection to angels, but in subjection to a son. The world to come is the world that we now live in. It was the age that was coming on the scene of the new covenant age, and he said that that old covenant age would wax old like a garment and it would pass off the scene. Uh, it is to me the great parable that Jesus shared, you don't put a piece of new cloth into an old garment. And so uh, that's the tragedy, I think, of the American church today is we're trying to put a piece of new cloth of the new covenant into an old garment of, uh, of, an old, uh, of an old garment. And we need to fold that garment up and let it pass away because he goes on to say in chapter 2 that uh, he put the world to come in subjection to a son and then he includes us in that sonship and tells us that he has purposed to bring many sons into glory and we're a part of that ongoing new creation, uh, if you will, project. In chapter 3 he tells them to call it today and not err in their hearts that he's better than Moses and he's better uh, than all of the stuff that occurred in the wilderness journey. In chapter 4 of Hebrews he tells them that there's a better promised land than just a piece of real estate, that the promised land in the new covenant is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In chapter 5 
He's a faithful high priest who can be touched with the feeling of your infirmities, and there's a better priesthood. We come then into the end of chapter 5, and he says, by the time you get here, you ought to be established in the word of righteousness, and you should be beyond just needing milk, and you should be ready for meat. And then he starts into chapter 6 and said, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine about Christ, or of Christ, let us go on under perfection. So what he's saying is by the time they get to the sixth chapter, he's saying to these Hebrews, by now you should be established in enough of this to be able to move beyond the principles of the doctrines about Christ. There's some things, in other words, you should have had settled by now. And those things are the fact that, first of all, we go on under perfection. Perfection, once again, is not based on your performance. We found out last week that by one offering, He has perfected forever them that are sanctified, Hebrews chapter 10 says. So our perfection under the old covenant was based on our performance, except nobody ever met the criteria, and perfection was not achieved through the old covenant uh, performance-based system of works and dead works, and that's one of the things he's ta- telling us to repent from, is to repent from not just sin, but from dead works. See, I think one of the greatest repentances that has to come to the church is we have to change. The, see, the Greek word for repent here does not mean you need to get saved every week. It means you need to change the way you think. And if there's ever a thing we need to change our minds about, it is that our perfection is not based on our performance. It is based on a sacrifice. Hebrews 10 says again, for by one sacrifice he he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So that our perfection that is required in Matthew 5, the last verse that says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect, is met not on the criteria of performance, but on the criteria of uh, understanding that uh, my perfection is based on what Jesus did in His redemptive work as a sacrifice that was spotless and without blame. For by one offering He has perfected forever. I love that them that are sanctified. And then we see that he says, let us go on unto perfection. We found out the word perfection here. And Hebrews 6 is not a verb, it's a noun. A verb is an action, a doing, a noun is a being. And so we we come into that perfect one, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. In other words, he's saying you ought to have some of this stuff settled, that the new covenant is on the basis of faith, For with the heart man believes unto salvation, with the mouth confession is made. The just will live by faith. Paul's defense in so many places is that the gospel and the new covenant is based on faith and faith alone. Faith, uh, you know, uh, Romans 4 especially, the apostle Paul talks about Abraham believed God and his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And then we talked about uh, of the doctrines of baptisms. And let me say again clearly, because I was running out of time last week when we got to this verse. He says, of the doctrines of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. 
And this we will do if God permits. Now, when I think about if God permits, I think about building codes and things whenever you're getting ready to build a building. If you've ever built a building, uh, a lot of times there are inspectors that come who inspect the building to make sure it is meeting the specifications so that that building is safe. In other words, you may have to have a foundation inspection before you're allowed to frame up the building. I kind of see this verse kind of like that. This we will do if God permits. In other words, God is saying to them, if you've got this foundation established, I'm going to give you permission to build on this. Build on what? Build on the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. To build on the perfection of what He has already given you. Now I want to come back again and talk about, see, one of the things that I just saw in this in the last couple of months uh, of the doctrines of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This we will do if God permit. Now let me say first of all that I do believe in water baptism. I believe in laying on of hands for healing of the sick. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. But I believe that what in the context of the audience he's talking to, uh, when I looked this up in, in some of the more Jewish Bibles, I found out that this word for baptism is really dealing with the whole idea of all of these divers' washings and rituals that were connected to the Old Covenant. This laying on of hands could have had to do with these Hebrews moving away from uh, bringing woolly lambs to a high priest and laying their hands on the head of these lambs and confessing their sin in order to be forgiven, I think what he's saying is that uh, we can move away from not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and faith toward God of the doctrines of all of these uh, divers' washings and laying your hands on these animal sacrifices. And, and uh, he's saying by now you should be having, if you're a believer and you're a believing Hebrew, you know everything that you've experienced through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that His resurrection was one of the key components to your eternal salvation because He was delivered for your offenses, but He was raised for your justification. And the fact that He got up from the dead and gives us this eternal life, this power of resurrection in our lives is that something that we should have had settled. What he's saying here, I think, uh, is that we should have had some of these issues settled. You ought to have full confidence in knowing and believing that God raised him from the dead, and he dieth no more, and that of eternal judgment. And there's a lot of things that could be said about eternal judgment which would take volumes in itself. But I think one of the things that must be said here is that eternal judgment that he's meeting here, this word, see what's interesting, and, and I know this may be a bit of a can of worms, but this word eternal judgment is literally aeon or aeonian or what has to do with an age. When I begin to think about this, I'm thinking about, see, there was a demand of judgment for sin under the law. When Jesus came and was crucified on the cross, I believe it's John 16, but I'm not exactly sure of the exact address. But it says this, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world come. Now is the prince of this world judged. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. I think that what he was saying there, 
Actually, the word men there is in italics, and it, and, and, it, and it may not necessarily mean he drew all men into himself, but he drew all, if you take the word, if the word men is really not in the original language, he said he drew all judgment to himself. Now is the judgment of this world come. Now is the prince of this world judged. If I be lifted up, I will draw all into me. He was drawing the judgment that we had coming under the old covenant. He drew it into himself and has fully met all the demands of a judgment that was required under an old covenant paradigm. Now, I believe that that judgment for believers has eternal value in the future. But what I'm simply saying is that there was a judgment that took place on Calvary's cross that has eternal value. It has eternal reach. I think it meets the criteria so that especially for believers, that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this present world. And then He's simply saying this to them. If you've got those things settled and you have established that, and once again, I'm not saying that there's not doctrines, <coughs> excuse me, there's not doctrines of uh, where we need to be water baptized. I fully believe in water baptism. I still believe on the laying on of hands of the presbytery. I still believe in, you know, teaching that there's a resurrection, uh, you know, there is a resurrection of the dead and, and some of these things. But what I'm putting this in the context of what is happening here so that we can move on to perfection. In other words, he's saying, listen, we're going to move on. If we got the foundation right, once we see that having come through five chapters of Hebrews showing you the better things, that by now you should be ready to leave these elementary things and you should have a building permit that allows you to build on the finished work of Jesus Christ. He said, for this we will do if God permit. And then he comes down into the next verse and says, For it is impossible, this is powerful to me, for it, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world, this Greek word here for world is age, and the powers of the age to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned." But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do, the, do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful but followers of them, who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Now I probably won't get down that far. But I wanted to come and get this because I think this is really going to help somebody today. 
Because right in the midst of him saying, let's go on unto perfection, he's talking to them again about moving from this uh, old covenant-based animal sacrifice, laying hands, divers' washings, laying hands on animal sacrifices. He's talking about moving on into this new covenant. And again, this is a message written to these Hebrews. But then in the middle of this, he, he says, for it, is impossible for, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Now let me just talk to you again here about some things. He's saying once you've been enlightened, once you've seen this new covenant, once you've tasted the heavenly gift and you've been made a partaker of the Holy Ghost, and you've tasted of the good word of God and the power of the age to come. One of the reasons why I am not a cessationist, or that to believe that what cessationist means, to believe that the gifts of the Spirit and some of these things have passed away. The reason I am not a cessationist is because Hebrews 6 is one of the most powerful, uh, to me, uh, affirmations that the power that they experienced uh, as they were coming to the close of that old covenant age was really an in part realm, but the power was really from the coming age. See, there were Man, there's so much here to say. But the age that was passing off of the scene, remember what I taught out of 1 Corinthians 10? He says to them, everything that happened to them under Moses happened to them as examples for us upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages, plural, have come. He was talking to the Corinthian church and he told them the ends, plural, of the ages had come upon them. Now, the ends of the ages were simply this. It was the back end, if you could picture it like two circles. It was the back end of the old covenant age and the front end of the new covenant age. And between where these two uh, circles would lap, if you will, was a 40-year gap from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D. when a lot of this stuff that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes was destroyed. There was an overlap of 40-year period, a transition period, just like the wilderness journey, for them to come out of law and into grace, come out of Egypt into the promised land, to come out of... Uh, I hope you're understanding that because of some of the stuff we've already taught. But the, when he's talking about tasting the power from the coming age, the power was from the age that you and I are now standing in right now. So God certainly would not give us a mandate to, uh, to uh, make disciples of all nations and to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and then take the power gifts from us. As a matter of fact, I've really had it on my heart in the last season to really, really press in for an understanding of, uh, of seeing the miraculous. I thought the other day as I was thinking about the gifts of the Spirit, he said, seek earnestly the best gifts. So there must be something about the gifts that we need to seek and perhaps we just sit back hoping they'll come when we need to be in pursuit of the miracles and the healings and the power and the demonstration. If there's ever a need in an hour that we need to see the demonstration of the power of God, it's today. And I believe that the power that he was talking about here, he told him, listen, you tasted of the good word of God and you've tasted of the power of the coming age. And he's telling them, if you fall away, in other words, don't go back once you tasted that. Don't, don't go back and, 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 and walk away from that. 
you know, I, I just feel like uh, staying here for a moment talking about the power. Because I believe that, you know, one of the things that uh, I believe happens, I think one of the most powerful things you have is your testimony. You know, I was thinking the other day as I was looking at the book of Revelation, he said, for the, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. A lot of things could be said about that. But I think simply put on a real practical level, when you testify about what Jesus has done in your life, when you share with other people how God healed you of cancer, how God set you free from substance abuse, how the Lord delivered you from the power of darkness, how He set your feet up on a rock, and you begin to testify. What that does, it's a spirit of prophecy because if He did it for you, it's a testimony about what He's about to do for somebody else. I feel the preacher coming on me here today. But I, I, I'm telling you, your testimony is powerful. The more, listen, when you, when you start to testify, listen, people need to know, if you've been healed of some disease, uh, people need to know God's a healer. Because when you start to talk about the goodness of God and what He's done for you, if He's done it for you, He will do it for others, and it is the spirit of prophecy. And I believe that when, you know, when we begin to reach out and we begin to lay hold and pursue and seek for spiritual gifts, I'm thinking to myself the other day, if they're gifts, why do we need to seek them? But the only thing I could kind of come up with in, in my own th thinking is, well, you know, it's kind of like Christmas time with our, our kids and our grandkids. When, when, when we, you know, especially with my grandbabies, I just, you know, love, love my grandbabies. But I'll say to them, what do you want, Pappy, to get you for Christmas? And they'll crawl up on my lap and they'll give me their, their wish list, man. And so what happens is, is that when I give it to them, there is a, uh, a bonding or at least a response to the fact that they know that this good and perfect gift came from their path. And so I think it's the same way with seeking earnestly spiritual gifts. I think what we have to do is we have to look into, and I'm really in a season in my life where I want to look into what's it take to see the miraculous power of God come on the scene in a greater measure. I'm just going to be real blunt with you today on the program. What I've seen happen has been hit and miss. I'm glad and thankful for the miracles that we are seeing, but I'm not satisfied with that. So I'm going to look, I'm pursuing, I'm looking into what's it going to take to see God manifest power and bring deliverance. I mean, God's people are some of the most sick people on the planet. And when you look at even the Old Testament, and He declared to them, I'm going to bless their bread, and I'm going to bless their water, and I'm going to remove sickness from among them. If God could do that under the old covenant age, how much more the power of this age that we're living in should it be manifest to those who will seek after? So we need to seek earnestly sometimes these best gifts. And I was thinking so much there the other day about the man, I believe it is in Mark chapter 4, who was born of four. And when, I, you know, when he's born of four, that means four people were carrying him. And man, that thing really spoke to me because he had four friends that believed Jesus had the power to heal enough that they were willing to carry this man. You know, sometimes you're going through things yourself and you can't believe for yourself. You need to surround yourself with a couple of friends that can carry you when you can't carry yourself. Man, I feel the preacher on me here today. 
You need to find you some friends that aren't going to help drag you down in the mully grubs and speak defeat and death over you and, and, and uh, you know, just kind of get in your pity party. You need somebody that's going to pick you up and carry you and say, we're going to get you to Jesus because we believe if we can get you to Jesus. Uh, see, somebody else's faith sometimes can kick in and help you. But what I love about this story is the Bible said they found the place where Jesus was at and they tore the roof off and lowered this man down to the ceiling. Man, I was preaching this a few Sundays ago and I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, tell the people to tear the roof off. You got to get the ceiling off of your houses. You got to stop all the stuff that doesn't allow the move of God, whether it's time restraints, whether it's I'm afraid somebody's going to be offended. I think some of the ceilings and shingles we put on the house to keep people from getting healed is, is just uh, dumb stuff like, well, if it's the will of God, He'll heal us. Well, I'm telling you, it's the will of God. It's the will of God that none should perish. That includes not just going to heaven, but healing. I'm telling you, I think another one of the shingles that have kept this roof sealed is we, you know, we've had liberals that believe all the miracles went out with Jesus and the apostles or uh, tongues ceased and prophecies failed and, 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 and that was the end and the cessation. And so we got all of these mindsets that have put ceilings on people. Or here's another one that I think needs to be ripped off of the roof. And that is, oh, well, God's put me through this sickness because He's trying to teach me something. Listen, you wouldn't put any kind of disease. Would you give your son or your daughter cancer or sugar diabetes or any sickness, for that matter, to teach them something? I'm telling you, that's just, that's just well, it's just dumb. Hallelujah. And the reality of it is, is we've taught that kind of stuff to make excuses for why we don't seemingly see the power of God move. But I want to rip the roof off of some of these things until we can get people in an environment where Jesus is at and the presence of God is at and the power is at. And have, I, I, I want to taste the good word of God that gives me a message that tells me I am qualified I am accepted. I have been, the stripes of Jesus paid for my healing. I think there's an order to this. Even in Hebrew, or in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for your transgressions. Number two, he was bruised for your iniquities. Number three, the chastisement for your peace was laid on him by whose stripes you are healed. I think the first three of these is what removes the obstacles of faith. He was wounded for your transgressions. So your transgressions can't stop God from healing you. He was bruised for your iniquities. He bled internally to deal with all of your internal hurts, problems, psychological problems. Bruising is an internal bleeding. He was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity, and the chastisement for your peace. He was beaten and chastisement was laid on him so you could have peace. And if that sets you up for the fourth thing, by whose stripes you were healed. I believe we need to believe for the power of the age to come and operate in it and not go back. We're about to run out of time. I just have a few seconds to tell you, thank you for joining in, uh, into the program. If you'd like to become a part or uh, of a partner with our ministry, we deeply appreciate those of you who help us to do that. If you want to sow a seed into the ministry, just call the number on the screen or go to our website. Is the easiest way to do that. You can give via credit card or debit card or however you want to there. You can even set up monthly debits. If you'd like to become a partner with this kind of a ministry, we really encourage you to do that. Go to our website, get our books, our CDs. We've got several books that we've written and I think they'll be a blessing to you. Thank you again for joining us and tell your friends about us. Join in again next week. God bless you. 
I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.